Let's just pray before we start. <clears throat> Dear Lord and loving Father, we pray now that as we look at your word now, that you will give us insight and understanding into your character and your great works that you did through Paul, which you continue through us today. Please be with me as I speak your words, and please be with us all as we are inspired by what you say to us through your word. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Do you have a problem with authority? Well, it often depends on where the authority is coming from or who the authority is. Sometimes people abuse the authority that they have. Sometimes those in authority are people we love to hate. Take, for example, a politician or a sporting referee or even a parking policeman. I mean, what's with parking policemen these days? We don't classify them as real policemen or women, but we still call them that. I mean, they can't arrest you for double parking. They can't slam your face down on a car bonnet and handcuff you for being in a loading zone too long. You can't call on one to settle a dispute on the sidewalk. The only thing that they can do is penalise us if we disobey the parking rules. I remember the first time I got a ticket. It was on the windscreen, I picked it up, and I actually thought it was a compliment on my parking ability. <laughs> I opened it up, and up the top in big letters, it said, Parking. Fine. <laughs> oh, was, do you blame me for being excited initially? How often... Do we misunderstand the word of God or the message that they bring? Paul is a great example of this. Last week we learnt in chapter 18 that Paul was a real deal. He could match it with the best of them, yet people still misunderstood him. Paul wasn't seen as a true apostle in the sense that he followed Jesus around wherever he went. That Paul didn't experience the wonderful miracles that Jesus did. Paul's authority as a true apostle was questionable. Doubt had crept in to whether he was who he claimed to be. Because wherever Paul went, whatever he did and said, he evoked strong reactions from people. There were negative reactions as well as positive ones. Yet Paul was a very clear and effective communicator. His words could inspire and move people. His emotions and character enabled people to listen to him. And I'm sure that if you listened to Paul long enough, you'd be pretty much convinced of the gospel as well. Paul was a person who accepted no half measures. The truth could only come from the gospel. He didn't take kindly to anyone who challenged his authority of the gospel. Paul was a very possessive man when it came to the word of God. Maybe this is reflective of your life as well. But telling the gospel was a job that he loved doing. Because Paul was commissioned by God to do it. It wasn't an enviable job. It wasn't a desirable profession to go around telling people, about um, the word of God. To try and persuade people about the gospel message 
reaching out to both Jews and Gentiles to carry out God's mission with much authority. For Paul's authority came from the highest one that you could find. There's no arguing against the boss of Paul's mission. Here in Acts 19 we read about Paul's ministry in Ephesus and we are presented with some very astonishing events that occurred during Paul's time there. Paul does some fantastic miracles, but in the end, it's all through God's doing. When Paul first arrives in Ephesus, he comes across a group of believers. Luke describes them as disciples, except that Paul asks them a very simple question, and things are not as they seem. Look at verse 2 with me. Paul asked them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, No, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. These men appear to be genuine Christians because they are described as disciples, except that they didn't really know who or what the Holy Spirit was. And if they didn't know the Holy Spirit, then they probably didn't know the gospel of Jesus either. These men soon realised that they had an incomplete knowledge of the Christian faith, that they had only heard half the story. They knew about the baptism of John, except the baptism of John's repentance wasn't enough for them to be really Christians or to receive salvation. It was missing a key ingredient, the essential ingredient for understanding Christianity. It was missing Christ. This wouldn't have satisfied Paul one little bit. Christ wasn't an optional extra when it came to true Christian faith. Because Paul explains a bit further on in Acts chapter 20 verse 21 that his job wasn't just to preach repentance. It was also to preach faith in Christ. That's what was lacking in these men's lives. They needed to have Jesus explained to them. Paul preached Jesus with authority, and when these people heard about Jesus, they declared their faith in him immediately. Reading from verse 3, it says, Paul asked, Then what baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they replied. Paul said, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him, that is, in Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptised into the name of the Lord Jesus. As a result, Paul laid his hands on them, because these men were longing to know Christ. And we see a very special thing happen here. After accepting the gospel message, these men were baptised into the name of Jesus. After Paul laid his hands on them, they received the Holy Spirit and began talking in other languages and prophesying. They knew now that they were real Christians. There was no doubt in their mind. These men had only become aware of the gospel message because Paul had taken the time to explain it to them. Whether they were disciples beforehand is not the point. They're certainly disciples now. The Holy Spirit had come upon them. The power of Christ was amongst these people. Through Paul's authority and laying of hands, the Holy Spirit entered into these disciples. 
But the source of Paul's power didn't come from Paul himself. It came through the power of the gospel. The gospel that Paul preaches changes lives. Paul then moved on and started evangelising at his favourite hangout, the Jewish synagogue. We are told that Paul spent three months there speaking boldly about the kingdom of God. He was there proclaiming the word of the cross. That was his mission. But the gospel wasn't well received there. In verse 8 we are told, Paul entered the synagogue and spoke boldly there for three months, arguing persuasively about the kingdom of God. But some of them became obstinate. They refused to believe and publicly maligned the way. We find it difficult when people don't respond to the message we bring. When we invite a friend to church, they often come up with excuses or they just say to you, look, we're not into that sort of thing. It's easy for us to lose heart, but perseverance in evangelism means to keep going, not to lose heart and give up. Paul didn't think that being in Ephesus was a waste of time. He just moved on and he went on preaching to the rest of the city in someone else's lecture hall and Paul preached there for the best part of two years. Look at the second half of verse 9 with me. So Paul left them. He took the disciples with him and had discussions daily in the lecture hall of Tyrannus. This went on for two years so that all the Jews and Greeks who lived in the province of Asia heard the word of the Lord. Paul got better results preaching from a lecture hall than in a synagogue. All who lived in the province of Asia heard the word of the Lord. But it's not like the province of Asia is not that Paul had learned to speak Chinese or something. Asia back in those days was the equivalent of modern day Turkey. It wasn't just the local neighbourhood who heard the good news. Paul's dedication in preaching to Jews and Gentiles made sure that the gospel was spread effectively. It was heard far and wide. The gospel of Christ was making progress. It was always exciting to hear about the gospel making claims on people's lives. The results were extraordinary. And it was because of Paul's authority and perseverance in preaching the gospel. And again we must remember that the source of Paul's power came through the power of the gospel. But it didn't stop here. The disciples back in verse 1 heard about Jesus and they were converted. The whole of Asia was now hearing about Jesus. And still there are more people who need to hear about Christ. Paul was on a roll. Paul was asserting his authority. And people were taking note of Paul's convincing nature. But it wasn't only Paul's preaching that was convincing people to turn to Christ. We are told God did extraordinary miracles through Paul. That's how Luke puts it in verse 11. God accompanied Paul's preaching with extraordinary miracles. What a way to get people's attention. People get healed, People's illnesses are getting cured and evil spirits are laid to waste. And it's because of Paul's handkerchiefs and aprons, we are told. These bits of material that Paul had touched are curing people. 
They were more likely the sweat rags that he used while he was working in Ephesus as a tent maker. But nonetheless, people went around with these sweaty rags, healing people and curing them of their illnesses. I guess if people accuse Paul of materialism, we now know why. But it's not, the f- first, um, it's not the first time something like this has happened. If you remember, back in Luke chapter 8, verse 44, there is the woman who was healed by touching Jesus' cloak. And also back in Acts chapter 5, verse 15, a number of people were healed by Peter's shadow passing over them. These weren't your typical miracles. Jesus showed great power to be able to heal people this way. And the great Apostle Peter could heal with extraordinary power as well. Surely Paul must have had some apostolic credentials if he was able to heal people in this way. Miracles like this were performed so that people could believe the truth. Paul could be believed because of the great things that he was doing. His authority is backed up by extraordinary miracles that people were witnessing And it was by faith that people were being healed. It wasn't just by touching someone great or passing through someone's shadow or being touched by someone's sweaty rags that changed people. I mean, the only thing I ever passed on with my handkerchief was a cold. Preaching wasn't the only way that people got converted. It was also through extraordinary miracles. Paul was special But it wasn't like he was part Jedi or something amazing like that. It was God's way of giving approval and authority to those he called apostles. Miracles were seen as a true sign of an apostle. The influence of Paul saw him baptise people with the Holy Spirit. It saw the message of Jesus go out far and wide into Asia. Now we see that Paul can convert many people through miracles as well. Paul's authority was awesome. Because of Paul's authority and miracles, many people were healed. And many people were coming to know and believe in Jesus. And again, the source of Paul's miraculous power came through the power of the gospel. It was God doing extraordinary miracles through Paul so that all people may come to know Jesus, the ultimate authority in all matters. But when great things are being done, there are always those who try and copy it. There are those who like to take advantage of situations like this. They want to get on the bandwagon to make a name for themselves. They want to profit from the popularity of Paul. I'm sure if eBay was around back then, you could have brought many sweat rags, handkerchiefs and aprons on it. Last year on eBay, one man auctioned a Volkswagen shortly after he'd just bought it from another man. There was nothing special about this car. It was just a normal, everyday Volkswagen Golf hatchback. It was well looked after, had low kilometres, full service record. It was only sold in the first place because the original owner owner had a promotion in his job. But it went for a record price because the owner, the previous owner, 
was Joseph Ratzinger, otherwise known as Pope Benedict XVI. Maybe the new buyer thought it had special powers, that it had connections to God programmed in on the GPS, <laughs> that it could run off the sweat of an oily rag. People will make the most of an opportunity if others are interested. Most people will do anything for a quick profit. And Paul's signs and wonders made for a great opportunity. Look at verse 13 with me. Some Jews who went around driving out evil spirits tried to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who were demon-possessed. They would say, In the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, I command you to come out. Well, seven sons of Sceva, who came from a priestly family, were going round using the name of Jesus to exorcise demons. They too were trying to cash in on Paul's authority. They thought that they could heal people in the name of Jesus. So powerful was the influence of, of the gospel of Jesus that Paul proclaimed that others thought that they could use it also. <coughs> but as the old saying goes, if you play with fire, you'll get burnt. Using the name of Jesus backfired on these people. It was more than one of those bad days at the office. Let's read from verse 14. Seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish chief priest, were doing this. One day, the evil spirit answered them, Jesus I know, and I know about Paul, but who are you? Then the man who had the evil spirit jumped on them and overpowered them all. He gave them such a beating that they ran out of the house naked and bleeding. Certainly this was not what these would-be exorcists were expecting to happen. In the middle of trying to exorcise a demon, it suddenly starts speaking back to them. He asks them who they think they are. Then it overpowers and beats them up, to the point where they run away naked and wounded. These seven men had their authority questioned. They abused God's power. They were unable to imitate Paul's authority or duplicate the miracles that only an apostle was capable of. They tried to pass themselves off as apostles. But in reality, they were just fakes. Their authority was not recognised and it cost them dearly. The authority of the gospel was bigger than anyone could have ever imagined. The name of Jesus was an unfamiliar weapon in the wrong hands. It was not a name to be trifled with. And the result of this great atrocity affected all those who heard what had just happened. Because the news spread quickly, and the result of these counterfeit disciples was that it produced much fear in people. It wasn't a fear that made people flee from the Lord, though. It was a fear that brought people to Christ. The gospel was changing people's lives. There was a fear in recognising who was in charge, recognising who had the real authority. In this case, the misuse of authority actually brought about a good outcome. Let's read from verse 17. When this became known to the Jews and Greeks living in Ephesus, they were all seized with fear 
and the name of the Lord Jesus was held in high honour. Many of those who believed now came and openly confessed their evil deeds. A number who had practised sorcery brought their scrolls together and burned them publicly. When they calculated the value of the scrolls, the total came to 50,000 drachmas. Well, as a demonstration of their newfound faith in Jesus Christ, many magicians, sorcerers and wizards came and publicly burned their scrolls. These scrolls contained a whole lot of magic and secret spells. And we are told that the collective value of these amounted to some 50,000 drachmas. Now if you think or consider that one drachma was equal to one day's wages, then it turned out to be a very expensive bonfire. But the enormous value of these scrolls showed that people's hearts were changing. People were at long last identifying with the true authority of the gospel, the one greater than any sorcery or magic could bring. The result of Paul's ministry in Acts 19 showed a fruitful ministry. The familiar summary statement found in verse 20 says, In this way the word of the Lord spread widely and grew in power. Within a couple of years in Ephesus, the result of Paul's preaching was that the word of the Lord had spread, a ministry confirmed by the Holy Spirit and miraculous signs and wonders, and many people turned to the gospel message. Well, let me ask you, what are your views now about Paul's accreditation as an apostle? Please don't be convinced by my words. Be convinced by the authority that worked that work through Paul. Be convinced by the message of the gospel which Paul preached. Because for Paul, it wasn't the extraordinary miracles and wonders that changed people's lives. It was the extraordinary power of the gospel. But how did Paul come into such authority in the first place? Had God got it all wrong when he transformed Paul miraculously into a Christian? I mean, wasn't Paul the one who killed many Christians and many believers? The one who watched on as Stephen was stoned to death? The man bent on destroying God's church and bringing it down? so it would be no more. He was the man who we all love to hate. Paul's character drew many negative reactions back then. But then again, we've just seen Paul speak and act according to the authority given to him by God. We've just seen him do many things that only a true apostle could do. The power to baptise people with the Holy Spirit the power to perform extraordinary miracles and wonders, the power to communicate the gospel. And through Paul we see the authority of the gospel changing people's lives. Paul's authority was not one that he earned himself. It was one that convicted people from turning from their own beliefs and turned to the extraordinary power of the gospel. People still misunderstand Paul today because people can see Paul as a very black and white figure when it comes to the gospel message. But he he is the protector of the gospel. 
and he performed with a purpose. He showed his authority so that the name of Jesus would be heard and received. His intentions were to create a reaction from his listeners, a reaction that required a change and a turnaround. You may not like everything that Paul did and said, but looking at the results of Paul's ministry in verse 20, it's hard to argue that Paul didn't have a fruitful ministry. Paul reached out to people with God's word. He reasoned, he persuaded, he taught wherever he could because he knew that he was answerable to a higher authority. Well, you might think it's impossible to compare yourself to Paul. It's impossible to think that we can have the same authority that Paul did. You can pretend to have authority and probably fake it. I mean, what would happen if I went around Chatswood marking tyres on parked cars with a piece of chalk? That would probably be, be all that I could do. And I don't recommend anyone trying it either. But you may not enjoy your job or the homework that you get given or the assignments that were due yesterday. But Paul loved what he did because Paul enjoyed seeing the results that came out of his ministry. Paul didn't lose heart when people rejected him. He knew that the gospel of Jesus was all that he needed to convince people. He knew the authority that it carried. And with the gospel of Christ today, we should be just as possessive with it as Paul was. We should proclaim it with the passion and love that's required to carry out God's mission with the authority of the gospel. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift of the gospel. Lord, we thank you that you reached out to us with your word and that you have revealed to us true salvation through your Son, Jesus Christ. We pray that you will help us to love your word, to proclaim it boldly and to bind it close to our hearts, Lord, and to recognise the authority that it brings. Father, help us to be like Paul, to honour your name in all things and to be clear and effective communicators of the gospel. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.